Hey, welcome back to the pod. Rafe Palmer and Rahul here talking about hey. divorce, celebs, dating, relationships, what have you. Anyway, got some good stuff up for you today. We're going to talk about Jeezy, formerly known as Young Jeezy. We're going to talk about Christine Baumgartner settling with uh, Mr. Costner, right? And what else we got up? We got Taylor Swift with Sophie Turner, her New York apartment, the Joe Jonas divorce. So we're going to talk more about Jonas divorce stuff, continuing from last show. Uh, something about there's a, an adulterous affair in South Carolina, alleged, and uh, wife of a congressman has filed for divorce. We're going to talk about the interesting adultery, uh, impact of adultery and divorce in South Carolina. It's different than many other states. And uh, the Bumble CEO, Whitney Wolf Heard, talks about how AI will supercharge love with digital matchmakers. Um, then uh, Rahul's talking about this stuff, three flaws of online dating and a psychologist's recommendations on how to deal with them. That's from Forbes. And then America is embracing prenups. And that's what we've been harping on for years. We want prenup. And apparently America agrees and uh, more people are doing them than ever or are open to doing prenups than ever. So with no further ado, let's jump into this. First off, we've got Jeezy filing for divorce from Jeannie May, after two years of marriage, Jeezy is an Atlanta rapper, formerly known for those of you who are fans as Young Jeezy. I am not in a rap beef with Young Jeezy, now known as Jeezy. <laughs> Hopefully he won't get in a beef with me because of this. Um, filed Thursday to divorce the talk show host in Fulton County Superior Court. I believe that's right where Atlanta is. Hot Atlanta. I've been there before. Beautiful city, by the way. Um, I was born in Columbus, Georgia, Fort Manning. Uh, according to the documents, oh. TMZ, by the way, with the hot tip. We could get a lot of uh, serious journalisming from TMZ, thank you. But uh, we get a lot of the good celeb divorce stuff. So Jeezy filed in Georgia on Thursday saying marriage is irretrievably, irretrievably broken with no hope for reconciliation. Jeezy seeking joint legal physical custody of their one-year daughter, Monaco. He says they have an existing prenup in place. Shocker, not shocked. Every celeb gets a prenup who's worth their salt. And um, let's see, uh, the new... Even Mr. Jay-Z, who is splashing money around in his videos and all kinds of stuff, yeah. has a, probably a rock-solid, ironclad pre. And it looks like he's got – does he have a book out? He might have a book out there. We have to check on that. I think he's got a best – yeah, he's got a best-selling book. Adversity for Sale is Jay-Z's memoir. It's out there. Uh, it's been out for a while. Anyway, um, they say that this might be a shock to his wife because she recently celebrated the book, which I guess came out – really recently and his accomplishments on a heartfelt sounding Instagram post just a week ago. By the way, links to all these stories are going to be in the show notes. So um, their marriage is fairly short. They got married in March 2021 in their Atlanta home in the heart of the pandemic. And um, TMZ says they reached out uh, to both of them and haven't heard back yet. This story dates back to just a few minutes ago. So this has been revised. Um, so we'll keep you updated on this. If there's anything relevant, to, you know, we like to talk about celeb divorces. First of all, they're a little interesting and the celeb names are interesting. But what we're more interested in is, you know, how are they, what do they teach us about divorce in general? Are there lessons to be learned? And in this case, we'll tell you, just like with Costner and these, a lot of these other cases, they've got prenups. And a lot of these cases will get settled with very little fanfare, very little hubbub. And if Jeezy plays it right, with his wife, you will hear very little about this case. He won't badmouth her. 
He'll stay quiet on social media and it'll go quietly, which is in the best interest of their child. He's a cute little kid, by the way. I see a picture on Instagram. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But um, And one other comment here. You will always hear the news say they're just quoting from the pleading. And a the couple of things they tell you that are important to know how these wor things work. Number one, they always tell you who filed for divorce. We will tell you it doesn't matter. So a lot of times these things can be filed by agreement. Now they say this might be a surprise, but we don't really know yet. But in a lot of cases, people are negotiating an agreed deal and they just pick one of the people to file and it's really like a convenience thing. So when you hear, oh, so-and-so filed for divorce against so-and-so, it isn't like they're more angry or they necessarily, or that they want it more or whatever. It's just one of the lawyers chose to do it. They agreed that one lawyer would do it maybe out of convenience or whatever. Sometimes the other person doesn't want to feel like they're the one initiating it. And they say, can you please file? And the other person files. So there's a number of reasons why somebody is on the top of the pleading in the petitioner spot versus the respondent spot. And we just tell people, like, don't get excited about who it is. It's not significant. The press likes to make it significant, like so-and-so suing the other person. It's not really like a civil suit where that happens. A lot of times, both of these people want to get want to break up and it's just one of them is is initiating the case so i just want to say that don't know the situation here it's not clear um then the other thing irretrievable breakdown right no hope for reconciliation well that's standard issue stuff in divorce cases we have to say their marriage is irretrievably broken down and the parties have attempted reconciliation and those attempts have failed we have to say that in illinois that's how you get a divorce in illinois you have to plead that in a petition so that's totally generic. That's in every divorce pleading. And in many states, they don't have fault anymore as a reason for divorce. We don't anymore. We can't plead adultery, drunkenness, abuse. Those are all gone. All we can plead is irreconcilable differences. I don't know what Georgia law is. A lot of, a lot of states have a two-tiered thing where you can plead fault or irreconcilable differences. We used to have that until 2015, or, and they threw out the for-cause stuff. So, so when they say their marriage is irretrievably broken with no hope for reconciliation, just know that's what they all say. Ninety-nine. Uh, that's the ground. As for the grounds divorce. for divorce, the because you have to cite a reason. A legal. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you. So one, that's the interesting legal tidbit about that. So when you hear the press say that, that's all they're doing is they're reading right off the pleading, and you don't know what's really going on, you know. So that's the the bottom line on that. So that's interesting, and that. So tell us about. Christine Baumgartner and Costner, because this is sort of an interesting thing. There's a little bit of inside scoop, right, in terms of why this ended the way it did. Yeah, absolutely. You know, sort of to maybe perhaps put a, a pin on our whole Kevin Costner <laughs> yeah. uh, saga here. Uh, the uh, National Yahoo published an article that I where Christine Baumgartner reportedly settled her divorce after her lawyers gave her some quote-unquote ominous advice, wherein it states here that sources told the National Enquirer that she felt she had no choice but to settle with her ex-husband as the realities of the prenuptial agreement came into focus. She allegedly caved because her lawyer advised her to cut bait and run. With the loss of child support in front of the, uh, uh, for the three children, the lawyers, I guess, told her, she probably wouldn't fare much better if it came to alimony since the judge indicated he would uphold the prenup and she had, quote unquote, run out of options and she was getting beaten at every turn. And so it sounds like 
she might even be regretting her decision to divorce in the first place. And she's kicking herself for forcing Kevin to agree to a divorce when she was living the high life with unlimited oh, funds at her disposal, wow. with everything paid for oh, by her husband. Boy. So now her next steps are including forging a new life where she has to go back to school, enter the workforce after almost two decades after raising children. And she's optimistic, but maybe there's some second guessing going on whether should I have just sort of let sleeping dogs lay essentially. Where did that where did us. that info come from? Somebody inside her camp? That info, uh, sources told the National Enquirer via radar online. Okay. So this is uh yeah, this will be in our show notes, but it's again one of those things where I, I often tell people, right, if they tell me on a phone call, hey, should I get divorced? I don't know. I always say you can always get divorced right. tomorrow. Uh, if it's not in a rush, get divorced tomorrow. Think about it. But you can't undivorce yourself after yeah. you're divorced. Once it's done, it's done. But you can always do it tomorrow if you don't have to absolutely Man, do it that's, today. That's great so, advice. You're, and we get so many people in consults that say, I'm thinking about it. What's going to happen? You know, tell me how the math works. How much time does it take? How does everything get divided? And these people aren't in abuse situations. They're not in some terrible situation. They're just unhappy in some fashion in the relationship. And they're not even profoundly unhappy. They're just not thrilled. You know, I mean, I, I'm exaggerating maybe. What I mean is they're unhappy, but they're not, yeah, profoundly unhappy. They're, they, can, they can deal. They're in maybe a situation where they feel like roommates or whatever, or it isn't as exciting as they thought it would be. And that's why I'm writing my second book um, called I Just Want to Know to help guide people who are in this struggle, trying to decide yes or no, and give people a process by which they can evaluate their relationship and their marriage and see if they do have an intent to save it, then steps to do for that, steps to do of the evaluation, who to talk to, what to think about, and then to help them make the decision on their own. I, I don't conclude with the decision for the reader, but I give them all the tools to help help make a decision with recommending they talk to counselors too along the way. But the, you're right that people will say to us very often at the end of these consultations, what do you think I should do? <laughs> and that's a very unfair question to ask a divorce lawyer. And sometimes I'll say jokingly, hey, I'm just the plumber. You know, we're just the guy that, I guess, you know, fixes the toilet, you know, or whatever you want to say, whatever analogy you want to say. We're, we're the demolition man, if you want to say it that way. We try to do it as nicely as possible. We want to minimize the damage to the children, the relationship, make it as minimally expensive as possible, keep the time down as po much as possible. That's why we're big fans of alternative dispute resolution. That's my first book is all about. But you have to decide whether you want to do it or not. We can't decide for you. And the world needs more good marriages. So if you can turn your marriage around and make it what you want it to be, then by all means do that first. That's a whole hell of a lot easier than getting divorced. And it's better for your kids and, and your emotional health and everything else. I know I've been divorced and it wasn't fun. And even when you want it or you think you want it, it's hard. And so, yeah, it's, it's serious business. And you're right. You can wait till tomorrow. So you certainly don't want to have those kind of regrets because you can't undo it. Once you pull that trigger and you tell somebody you're done, there's a fundamental break. If, unless the they felt the same way about you, they're, they're going to then go through the mental process, crossing that emotional bridge of deciding they don't want to be with you either. 
and then they make that conclusion, they're not going to want you back because the faith is broken. So you're right. You can't put Humpty Dumpty back together again with that situation. So if you're in a situation where you're the one who's unhappy and you think the other person might be satisfied in the relationship, and that's not unusual, by the way, one person's needs are being mostly met. The other person's needs might not be met. Carefully evaluate your needs in your situation and communicate with the other person or whatever, or maybe keep it quiet for the meantime to think all this stuff through. Because once Christine started this process, Kevin got upset and he decided maybe I don't need this person anymore. And I don't think he's interested in taking her back at this point. And if she's regretting it, well, that's on her. So that is rough. But um, I could have told, we, we predicted this weeks ago, maybe months ago, we said the prenup was going to stand up. I said it in social media. I was confident when I said it then. We were confident when we said it on the pod. And they do. And not a shock. Her lawyer said, yeah, this isn't going your way. I'm not shocked it wasn't going her way. Um, they rode the horse as far as they could in this case and wisely backed out. And for some undisclosed sum, right? They gave her, Costner gave her some more money. Yeah, a little. She got a little larger slice of the action from what the prenup would have provided for her to essentially do what she did, which is cut bait and so run. So, it was 1.4 million lump sum, right? That would have been okay. Yeah, yeah something. It's, that sounds right. Something like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so interesting. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Get a prenup. It worked for Kevin. And if she ever gets married again, I guarantee there'll be another prenup. Um, what's this Taylor Swift story? Well, I think everybody in the world is talking about Taylor Swift this <laughs> yeah. week, so I figured we do as well with her most recent show-up uh, arrival and appearance at uh, Arrowhead Stadium, possibly maybe dating Travis Kelsey of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs playing for Patrick By the Mahomes. way, a, an Patrick, aside on yes. that was I saw something on social which said that he, okay, his, I'll be careful about this. His a previous girlfriend, not the most recent girlfriend, but a previous girlfriend before this one, said that she had proof that and had come out saying that he had cheated on her with apparently the girlfriend that he recently left to now hang out with Taylor. So this person was warning Taylor, hey, once a cheater, always a cheater. Now we don't know that, but uh, this is, I know this was out there on social that. There, was, there were reports by his ex-girlfriend that he had been seeing this other woman for some months overlapping their relationship. So Taylor's not dumb. She and knows I'm, what she's doing. Absolutely. And she is so well media controlled and handled and has so many people around her, her team. So I'm sure she knows what's going on. And, and it's sort of this like athlete's uh, unfortunately, the generalization about these professional athletes is this is sort of just comes with the territory almost. Not saying it's a good thing, not condoning the behavior, but I think they know what they're getting into, I guess, despite what this ex-girlfriend is, uh, uh, who's obviously upset about this, or maybe wants her 15 uh, minutes of fame, or maybe a couple bucks to shut her be. up. Who knows? There, there's an interesting phenomenon but, where these the celebrities are attracted to each other, and it's you. I wonder if it's, is it because they figure only somebody at their level would understand them and that life that a regular person just couldn't comprehend that life and sort of deal with it and tolerate it. 
just be overwhelming. There might be jealousy when you have all these people sort of screaming your name, you know, wanting to sort yeah. of just grab you and anything. And so it might be you just might need to be leveling up to that level. Or perhaps it's sort of like it's it's purely psychological. And I'm just this is all pure speculation what we're doing here. Maybe it's just that one will feel like I am the person and you're a nobody. Yeah, it, right. And, and it's like the interesting yeah. thing is they don't usually merit. You see these relationships and it's more like like attracts like it's she could probably find a number of extremely wealthy men to hang out with who are very successful, right? Oh, certainly. You probably have oh, much more money than this guy, right? Mm -hmm. But they're attracted to these sports figures and musicians and actors because I think my guess is they, th they think that's the most mutually understood level of fame. Like these wealthy people aren't necessarily famous. Right. And they sort of in the same arena, you know, pun not intended, where he plays sports in front of, uh, he plays football in front of hundreds of thousands right. of people every weekend. And she performs hundreds of thousands of people every weekend. And they're both extremely successful in their respective yeah. fields. And there's so. some mutual understanding, I guess. So, so yep. what's, so what's so anyway, Taylor doing here with yeah. this Sophie Turner thing? Because now we've, we're merging in with the Joe Jonas story. Now we're merging it in. Exactly. So coming back to the Jonas saga here, she is uh, allegedly led Sophie Turner. I guess they're becoming fast, good friends, and she has uh, loaning. She has she has loaned her apartment to Sophie Turner and her children uh, and her two daughters, Willa and Delphine. Now we have the second name, by the way. It was just D before okay. that. Now it's Delphine. While she works out her custody agreement with Joe Jonas, so it's. It's interesting because it's one of those where she had, if you, if we recall, we we talked about this on our last episode regarding the whole Hague issue and whether or not they should let the children go to the UK, go back to the UK, whatever the case sure. might be. But, uh, so uh, I guess a judge ordered that the children stay in New York until the details in the pair's divorce are finalized. So that's the update on that. And so to enable her to stay in New York, I guess Taylor Swift said, here, take my apartment. It's in Tribeca. It's good for you and the kids. I'm sure it's some giant, you know, amazing <laughs> right. condo, you know, suited for these guys. And so I think it's uh, it's something that we'll keep track of, but it was interesting and topical because it has both Taylor Swift and Joe Jonas and Sophie right. Turner. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. All right. So this, this next story is um, that we talked about briefly. Wife of South Carolina Republican Congressman files for divorce, alleges extramarital affair. The wife of Representative Jeff Duncan, South Carolina, filed for divorce, alleging he had at least one affair during their marriage. In the This is a recent filing. Accused her husband of having multiple extramarital affairs, leaving their home to live with another woman. Uh, this guy touts himself online as a strong advocate for life and traditional family values. Word to the wise, if you are going out there touting that you are a champion of family values, you probably should live by the family values. Um, I'm not choosing sides on this, but it's not a good look if you are the family values guy and you're stepping out on your wife. Okay. Um, married to Melody since 1988. Very long marriage. The, I graduated high school in 1987. So, okay. The filing, which came around noon on Friday, listed Duncan's paramour. I always love the term paramour. Only divorce lawyers uh -huh. call 
the other woman paramour. It's or I guess man too, depending on the relationship. But yeah, we divorce lawyers love the term paramour, which has kind of this negative connotation, but sounds classy in some way. So yeah, they say her paramour is Liz Williams, who's reportedly a lobbyist in the Washington DC area. Okay. This gentleman is he's not a young man by any means. Um, according to the complaint, the guy recently left the marriage, admitted to his wife that he has an ongoing sexual relationship with Williams. Additionally, the complaint noted Duncan admitted to the adulterous relationship to many other people, including the party's sons and members of his staff. So he's admitted the relationship to these other people. The complaint was published in South Carolina's Index Journal. I'm guessing that's some kind of court reporter. Uh, this pointed to some event on August 28th that this guy hosted. Duncan hosted, dubbed the Faith and Freedom Barbecue, a conservative fundraising event where he referred to Melody as a loving and supportive wife. So, again, not a great look. Um, upon information belief, Duncan left the next day, went directly to the home of his paramour in the Washington, D.C. area, where Melody's informed to believe she, he continues to reside. The wife, based on information, the term we say is information and belief, they say is informed and believes that the extramarital relationships is are widely known in the political circles of South Carolina and Washington, D.C. Okay, so these are allegations. These are not proved. So these are claims made by the wife. But this is the, um, here, here's the interesting thing. She's uh, seeking permanent alimony possession, exclusive use of the marital residence, and apparently they have a house in Montana, um, asking him to pay all the debts and obligations, maintain health insurance for her and the children, take responsibility for all of their uncovered medical, cover both attorney's costs and fees. Okay. Now, the interesting thing here is South Carolina takes adultery very seriously still. So Illinois has gotten adultery out of the divorce law. It has we used to be able to plead it as a reason for the divorce, but even then, it we, we would tell clients it has no impact on the divorce, meaning it doesn't change the division of property, it doesn't affect alimony, uh, unless you lived with somebody on a permanent basis. And that's something that we'll get into in another case in Illinois where the courts are undermining that whole statute. But let's stick with this. I wanted to talk about this issue of adultery with respect to divorces because in some states, it's still a big deal. So when we talk about things like in my social media, a lot of times I'm talking about Illinois. Most of the time I'm talking about my framework, which is Illinois law, our frame of reference. So in Illinois, we've gotten rid of adultery both as a, I don't think it's a crime anymore in Illinois, correct? It's not a tort. You can't sue anybody for uh, what we used to call alienation of affections. That tort is gone. Mm -hmm. That's the one. Nobody really filed those cases anyway. The last verdict I read was several years ago. It was like four grand for somebody who put, went through a giant lengthy case. Um, and super embarrassing type of case to prove, by the way. And in a lot of ways for both people, because it drags out your dirty laundry everywhere in, in the public oh, record. Yeah. But in this case, let's talk about South Carolina. Very interesting. By the way, links in, you know, will be in the notes to these articles. So credit to Futerall and Nelson, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correct, but a law firm in South Carolina had a pretty nice article where they explained grounds. The grounds are adultery, habitual drunkenness, or narcotics abuse, physical cruelty, desertion for a period of one year, and one year continuous separation, which is part of a no fault in South Carolina. 
um, they don't recognize mental cruelty or emotional abuse as, as a ground, which is interesting because uh, we used to, have, a lot of states allow emotional abuse or mental cruelty as a ground. In Illinois, we got rid of all grounds except irreconcilable differences quite a while ago. So proving adultery, this is interesting because it turns out it's a really big deal for the case. So not only is it a ground in South Carolina, but if you prove it in South Carolina, you will affect the division of assets and alimony. Um, if, for example, you had an affair and you were going to receive alimony, you can be barred from receiving alimony, even if the affair is over with. So it's a big, big deal to prove adultery in South Carolina. And that's why it's such a big deal in this complaint and why I'm guessing the wife here asked for all that stuff that normally we would think sounds like over the top, paying for all the medical, paying, you know, maintenance, the homes. And, uh, you know, she kind of sounds like she wants like a clean sweep. Now, it's not unusual to ask for the moon and the stars, understanding you're going to fall shorter than that. You know, the concept of aim high because in reality we'll get something less. But to ask for her fees to be paid and all this other stuff is kind of unusual in a divorce case from our perspective. And seeing what okay. she's asking for and him paying all the debts, that's not something you normally see. So, but we're from Illinois. So just wanted to point out in some states, and your mileage may vary, talk to a competent divorce lawyer in your area, adultery can be a very big deal and proving it can be very, very important. The interesting thing about proving it is looking at the terms here are, I don't know, kind of interesting. So the a term adultery is defined in South Carolina as living together and carnal intercourse. So it sounds like a biblical kind of thing. Carnal intercourse with each other or habitual carnal intercourse with each other without living together of a man and woman when either is lawfully married to some other person. So I think you looked up carnal. What does that mean? Carnal. I looked up carnal nature. Okay. And so it says uh, carnal, sensual, fleshy, animal, all refer to bodily rather than rational or spiritual aspects of humans. Carnal, although it may refer to the body as opposed to the spirit, often refers to sexual needs or urges. Carnal cravings, attractions, satisfactions. All right. So it's kind of like just for fun so, and not for any serious purpose. Okay. Right. So the statutory definition in South Carolina is this illicit intercourse, one of whom is married. Okay, makes sense. And But the interesting thing is for sexual acts to constitute adultery, they must be voluntary, knowing, and intentional. It can't be unintentional or accidental, I guess. Or, um, or unknowingly. They, we do say, <laughs> it, though it's exceptionally rare, mental illness has been used as a defense to a claim of adultery. Okay, I get it. Um, now, the interesting thing they do say is proof of adultery obviously can be difficult because how do you get eyewitness testimony? Usually the two people involved don't admit to it. Um, or it looks like in this case, the wife was saying that the husband had said to the children and other people that he was having an affair. Who knows what that testimony would end up being? We don't know. But the interesting thing is the standard is the finding of adultery is allowed where there's evidence of both the opportunity to engage in adultery and the disposition or what they call the inclination to commit adultery. And they describe what the opportunity is. It's like specific opportunities where the event could have happened, like the two people were at the same location for a period of time. 
So you still probably need a private investigator, some observation, some evidence that these folks were together for periods of time. They said approximate times, places, circumstances are sufficient. The family court does not allow insufficiency in this respect to defeat a divorce where a court is fully convinced adultery has in fact been committed and the offending parties had opportunity to defend the claim. Many litigants hire a private investigator to gather evidence that there's an affair. Circumstantial evidence of opportunity includes hotel records and emails, text messages, other communications, which all make sense. Um, how do you prove inclination? That's kind of interesting. Because intimacy is likely to occur in private situations, South Carolina case law looks toward the behavior people exhibit in public to determine whether if the same people would be in private, they might be inclined. If a couple behaves affectionately in public, such as by holding hands, so watch out hand holders, don't be a friendly hand holder out there, word to the wise, because you're showing that inclination. So if you just have a female or opposite sex friend or whatever out there you're not married to, don't be holding hands out there or giving them a kiss on the cheek if you're in South Carolina because somebody might be watching with that long lens camera of like the Cheaters TV show. They've got the van across the street. Um, when two people, this is a great quote from a case right here. When two people park by themselves at night in lonely places and purposely sit very close together, even the most dispassionate observer may very well infer that they are romantically disposed towards each other. That's a case uh, called Privet from 1989. <laughs> so uh, a private investigator may, may be hired to get video evidence. Communications between individuals and an affair can also demonstrate their inclination. For example, sexting clearly implies inclination. Okay, so interesting. It makes sense. You, you pile up all this circumstantial evidence and you can have the court convinced that there is an illicit affair and somebody can get whacked for adultery and end up paying a lot for it. So uh, don't be cheating on your spouse. And in South Carolina, if you do, you could be in big trouble out there. So that's the word to the wise. Um, so that is it for the uh, for that situation. And what you were going to talk about, we love talking about our dating apps. We love our dating apps. We love the dating scene. Even though you and I aren't in it, we find it fascinating because it's a brave new mm -hmm. world out there. It keeps changing. We feel, sorry for, you. It's always feel sorry for you out there navigating this because it sounds like a jungle. Okay, so tell us about the Bumbles thing. Yeah, so read an article, uh, TechCrunch, sort of an intersection of technology and, yeah. and dating and relationships. So Bumble CEO Whitney Wolf heard shares how AI will supercharge love with, with digital matchmakers. So this article, essentially, what, what they're doing now is it sounds like they're tweaking this app and introducing or injecting AI assistance to help uh, either find better matches for people. You, you input a questionnaire of sorts. And these, I don't know if this has all been implemented yet, but this is something in the works yeah. here where they'll start finding people who are more matched to you or they'll look at pictures that you've posted and then find people who have similar pictures in those locations to sort of couple interests wow. that, hey, you know, you've been to XYZ Forest Preserve. I was there too. Huh. Or I went to hiking in Yellowstone. You were there too. Maybe we like hiking something. So uh, to do those things, some other AI apps, I mean, some other uh, dating apps, what they've done is create these virtual or AI significant others yeah. sort of for the person to date with, like perhaps, you know, what they call themselves incels, perhaps. I don't, uh, you know, as that group what of people. What was that movie? They, um, 
with that, was it, um, there was a movie where the, he fell in love with the AI date. Oh it, yeah. Like, what was that? It came out a few years was, ago, I think. What's his name's brother was the actor. Uh, the poor guy that passed away. Um, huh. Uh, we'll remember it. Anyway, there was a movie about that where Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin Phoenix I think he was the lead character and the whole thing was about him falling yeah. in love with an AI like female thing, you know, and it, I don't, I didn't yeah. see it, but that was the gist. So, yeah, we're getting into some kind of wild territory here with all this. Um, these AI chatbots are scary in terms of how kind of realistic they seem and also how intelligent they seem. So, oh, not surprised it. that they're using AI to help with matchmaking. And uh, this is funny because when I was in high school, they had computer-assisted dating to find like your ideal match in the high school and kids would pay like five bucks <laughs> to fill out a questionnaire. It was like 40 questions about your interests and stuff. And it would print out this old school dot matrix printer thing from a mainframe. <laughs> it was like from a big, some big computer somewhere they sent this to. And then they handed out, this is how old, old I am, I guess they had, a, you went and paid for your printout. Like you, <laughs> you got a printout and that showed you like the top, like five people in the high school that were compatible with you and nobody had any guts to go actually talk to anybody, but it was funny to see, Oh, you know, Susie so-and-so is my number one match, you know? And that was like the primitive version of online dating was <laughs> filling out this little survey and seeing who was your best match in the entire high school. So. No, that's cool. Yeah. And so that's sort of where this is going. Um, it's sort of, uh, you know, trending in that direction. It was only a matter of time because AI is sort of infiltrating every little aspect of, of most things here. So it's a huge, huge opportunity, a business opportunity for people. And they also, of course, admit that this doesn't really, you know, this is pretty good for Bumble's bottom line as well. Oh, yeah. You know, they can put a, a little premium on this sort sure. of feature. And, and, you know, we talked about Tinder's feature last week or last episode, I should say, uh, where they had a $500 a month yep. tier. For, for their most premium of lines. And so maybe Bumble can offer an experience that's more curated and, and Everybody's selected. juicing their apps with AI now. So you're going to see it's everything is with AI. It's like with vitamin C now, you know, everything, everything's mm -hmm. non-GMO and everything's AI. That's the new, the new, new. <laughs> so it's hard to believe what people even look like, right? I mean, you have, you're, you're, you're blowing up on TikTok. So you sort of have you know, all these filters on TikTok where you slap it, you barely know what someone looks like nowadays. You know, it kind of makes your face look, uh, not you specifically, no, I you use filters. general people. I am unfiltered, man. I'm unfiltered and unafraid. Unfiltered, this is what you see what you I've get. Been, I've been accused of <laughs> Botox though, but this is a natural forehead, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I think it's just a lot, I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm relaxed or something, I don't know. I, still, I got wrinkles. But, something, and, you're doing something yeah, right. But they, uh, I was thinking about, you, this made me chuckle because when you said that the image the images are being compared by AI. I was thinking tying into like one of our previous shows, you know, if they got those cosplayers out there, like the, the dating coach told that dude to not put his star Wars picture out there. Well, if you put the <laughs> star Wars, your Boba Fett outfit out there, maybe you'll find somebody who's into that. And, you know, because yeah. the AI will match you up with another cosplayer and you'll be in, you'll be in heaven. You can go to the comic-con together or whatever. Comic-con. Yeah. yeah, you'll exactly. be in that and you'll be all over it get those autographs. So, um, yeah, so that's funny. So then what's, um, tied into this, you found an article about flaws of online dating. 
Yeah, so so this whole trend these days now, I mean, with with online dating and how how fast it's progressing here, a, a psychologist in Forbes wrote about three flaws of online dating and what a psychologist's recommendation is to overcome these flaws. So, you know, it's sort of people, he said, people often have questions such as, I've matched with four new people this week. Why do I not want to meet with any of them? <laughs> or I'm tired of not being the priority and going out on dates. I can't decide if I want to just hook up with my date or get to know them better. And I'm not much of a texter, but I do want to get to know someone online before I meet them in real life. So these are all sort of apparently questions that people have and they, and they do and apparently, or that they go through and contemplate. And so they've all become jaded apparently. And so they said the three flaws are number one, the flaw of anonymity with the rise of online dating, you know, less than ideal methods of ending relationships such as ghosting, fading, and orbiting are also on the rise. Ghosting, for people who don't know, is when a partner or the person you're communicating with just disappears yeah. without any explanation or warning, yeah. just gone. Fading is sort of what they call the slow fade, is they're very, you know, initiate conversations with interest, enthusiasm, just sort of start pulling back a little bit. And they just sort of, it's like ghosting, but very slowly. Yeah. And then you were, you're like, did they even like me in the first place? And then orbiting is when you don't talk to each other, but you keep up with their social media. You're saying, oh, this person posted this on Instagram. You know everything about their lives, but you don't really talk right. to each other. So kind of a weird, weird situation. And, and then we heard, I heard recently and, from mm-hmm. my, my stepdaughter told me they've, that this, and I've seen this on social too, situationships. Or, oh, sure. What does that mean? You know, I've never like, known what that means. I've it's heard just that like, we're not exactly dating. They hook up from time to time. They're together, but they're not together. It's, it's like it's a situation. It's complicated. In Facebook, it would be oh. in Facebook. You would say it's complicated. That the cool kids aren't on fa- long ago. We're not on Facebook. Long. In fact, long ago. I have a lawyer who worked for us, Jen, who is now in Florida, and she's helping us with our Facebook group. And she had to join Facebook to help me. <laughs> she said, "I've never been on Facebook." That's how old it made me feel. So old. And Facebook seemed so new, and I was already in my mid thirties maybe late thirties mm-hmm. when I joined Facebook, when it started in 2007 and she's not even oh, been sure. on Facebook. That's how, you know, my, I'm a Gen Xer and you know, that was kind of the big social app for my generation. And then Insta came out after that. And I remember my kids telling me they were in high school in the 2015 range, 2010 to 2015. My boys were telling me, Hey dad, Facebook's dumb. That's for old people. <laughs> Mind you, I was in my 40s. They said Instagram is where it's at. And then a year or two after that, they told me it's not Insta anymore, it's Snapchat. So, and now, of course, TikTok and whatever else. So it's funny how this stuff moves. But the the interesting thing here is we have lost this interpersonal communication aspect that's important. And I heard a stat that said that 20% of communication is are the words you use. And the majority of the communication is in all the nonverbal cues, the physical cues you make with your body, the tone of your voice. Uh, and, and so the written word boils off 80% of communication, which is explains why we misunderstand okay. text messages 
we don't, you know, there's no emotion in text. So emojis are a poor substitute for hearing somebody speak. And so FaceTime or at least a phone call is a step better. And, but meeting somebody in person is the true way to see, to meet somebody and the best way. And so what's interesting is in the pandemic, we switched to all video interviewing of lawyers and staff. And in the last year or so, we got away from that and we started a system now where we interview people once at lunch. So once we meet you online, we talk, look at your resume, we do a couple interviews, a small team interviews the candidate, then a larger group interviews the candidate from the law firm to get a feel for the person. And if we think they're good, then we invite them to lunch. And then a small group goes to lunch with that person and you get a whole different perspective. But we have found there've been candidates that I was not very excited about that when I met in person changed my whole attitude about the person and made a dramatic effect impact. Um, and you see all these different things like, are they on time? Are they put together? How do they treat the, the wait staff? How do they interact with you just sitting around the table eating, you know, and, and what, you know, then you have a conversation that's less formal and you learn a lot about a person by all those nonverbal cues. And uh, so I think with dating, people are really challenged with this. And I think one of the solutions is pick up the phone and talk to somebody rather than shooting a bunch of text back and forth. As much as people get uncomfortable, you're going to save yourself a tremendous amount of time because in the first five or 10 minutes, you're going to know if you even like their voice or not. You might think their voice yep. is grating or weird or whatever. Well, you're not going to want to date them if you think they're, if that's weird, if that's bothering you, it's not going to get better. So talk to them and listen to the tone of their voice and get the gist of their words or better yet do a FaceTime. So actually see the person and, and get some of the emotion coming across. It doesn't have to be more for five or 10 minutes, but make sure they're real and have a little bit of a conversation. But the best thing, Stating advice from your favorite divorce lawyers, go in person to get some coffee, go to a neutral location, go to a coffee place or go to a, um, somewhere where you can have a, a drink. If you're in, if alcohol's the thing, go to a neutral location where there's a bar. If you don't want to do alcohol, get coffee during the day and just meet somebody for an hour, half an hour. You'll know right away if it's good or not. And then you just walk away. If it's no good, you bail out and get your Uber and off you go. You know, no big deal. But it, you, if you text people endlessly, you're never going to know that the reason people orbit and everything is nobody actually pulls the trigger to invest any decent amount of time in actually meeting somebody. If, you know, orbiting five people is equivalent to dating none. So right. you, actually, no, absolutely. you actually have to go see people, ladies and gentlemen. And if you want, if you crave <laughs> connection... You got to go get connected and there's no other way to do that than see somebody in person. And this is, and then the show, you're absolutely right. Because I mean, uh, Seinfeld, the show would make fun of these kind of things, right? Jerry, for example, yeah. Jerry Seinfeld, the, the lead protagonist, if people yeah, don't, if you don't know, Seinfeld it's a shame. Is. Watch the show. It's awesome. But yeah. He'd go, go to meet, there's a go on a date and then notices that the date has man hands, for example. <laughs> She's like ripping bread or breaking lobster with her hands. And he's like, I don't know if I can be with someone who has right, man hands one, yeah. or, or, or she has a weird right. laugh <laughs> or, or someone looks a certain way from a certain light. And from the other side, it's like completely yeah. different. 
I mean, these are all again. It's hilarious, but it's uh, you ha- you you won't know that. Yeah, Seinfeld had some so. great episodes about that kind of stuff. But yeah, with a few pictures and some texting, you have no idea. You've got to go carefully curated images. You know, they think about it twenty times before texting yeah. it. You know, making sure it reads right. well. Or the flip side is so. some. You know, as we saw with that dating coach a couple shows ago, that you know the guy was terrible at posting pictures and looked much better in person. And you just don't know. So anyway, interesting. Yep. So, and then so two more points for yeah. this one. So that's the first one is, you know, I'll be, you know, uh, the flaw of anonymity. The second one is the flaw of choice overload. You just have too many options. You can't make up your mind. You're like, what about this? But hey, what about this person? Maybe I'll match with someone tomorrow. I don't know. I'm, am, I, am I sure I want to date this person not knowing what else it's is out there? It's that FOMO and that, right? that sort of illusion of abundance. Or exactly, it's like grocery store aisles when you don't know what brand to pick, you get like paralyzed. Right. And then the last one is conflict, the flaw of conflict of interest. Hinge has, you know, there's a different apps are different, but the app itself is conflicting and people say psychologically it might be affecting you because Hinge does not want people to delete its app. It wants more users. So you have to understand there's a conflict of interest between you and these dating apps because the dating apps are motivated by things like time spent on the app, paying their monthly premium. Not a good company if you delete it after a month and because you found your you know heavenly match. So you have to ask yourself, are you spending too much time collecting matches with common interests rather than getting to know the matches who show romantic potential? Sort of like what you just said. Yeah, are you, are you just walking up and key. down the aisles or are you trying any of the products? You know, that's the... You're, you're just spinning your wheels if you're window shopping. Mm-hmm. And then this sort of is a very nice line for the for this from this article that I think is a good sort of bow on this. Collecting matches is okay if you are all if all you're looking for are hookups or you said situationship. <laughs> There's a word here, textlationships, <laughs> where you're, you're just texting. However, if you're using dating apps to find a significant other, your goal should be to watch out for deal breakers, meet your matches in person engage a real world interest or connection with yeah. them. So I think that's good when stuff. When I was a kid, they called it pen pals. You could arrange to send letters to a person like far away and you would send letters back and forth and they called them pen pals. And that's what like, do you want a pen pal or do you want to, you know, do you want a real relationship? Right. I said, that, you know, I think people in prison have pen oh, pals really? still. <laughs> well, that's right. Sure. I, I, I wouldn't know, but okay. And, and so it, that's interesting. So, but that's the thing, like somebody was telling me, uh, I was talking about how kids these days just text each other and I used the reference to pen pals and they looked at me like I was from another planet and I just said, oh, I'm a Gen Xer, you know, I don't know. You know this is what we called it when I was a kid. And they looked at me like I was ancient and and uh, I guess I'm getting there, but it was funny because they said, pen pal, what do you mean? I said, well, people used to write letters to each other. I do this whole explanation, you know. Pals yeah, with pens. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, all right. Next is, uh, was that all on that story? That was interesting. Yeah, that, that was it. Yeah. What's the, um, that was from Forbes too, by the way, hat tip to Forbes. We'll have that in the show notes. Mm-hmm. This one is, uh, the one I wanted to talk about, I thought was useful, um, or good one to discuss. America embraces prenups. 50% of adults open to signing. This is a story published by Axios recently. Uh, more fiancés, millennials in particular, want to protect their assets before they tie the knot by signing prenups. 
contracts previously linked to only the rich and famous. Now, I dispute that. A lot of people that aren't rich and famous use prenups for many, many years. I've been doing prenups for 22 years now, and they've been going on a lot longer than that. But yes, I, that we typically hear about them and we discuss them because rich and famous people who are smart get them, and you hear about almost all of them have them. Uh, the numbers through this survey, uh, they said um, Harris Poll found last year 42% of polled adults support the use of prenups. This year, 50% of adults say they at least somewhat supported the use of prenups. Only one in five married couples have a prenup. Interesting stat. According to the Harris Poll conducted for Axios, 66% of people on the league, ding, 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 we talked about the league last show. The league is a super high-end dating app acquired by Match.com, super monster company that's bought gobbled up all these dating apps. So when you think you're not involved with Match, you probably are on one of these dating apps. 66% of people in dating app the league who responded to a question about prenups said they're open to signing one. Now, maybe the angle they're trying to say there is the league's more high-end people, so they tend to be more predisposed to have assets and income that they want to protect. Um, younger generations mm-hmm. in particular are embracing prenups, according to Harris Poll. 41% of Gen Z respondents who are engaged or have been married said they entered a prenup. Interesting, way up from the 20% they're talking about in general. 47% of millennials who are engaged or have been married said they have a prenup. They pulled, They mentioned they have a thing called Zoom Out in the article, and they say Americans are getting married later in life, which is true. It's trending older, closer to 30. It used to be like 20. It's trended up over the last couple decades. Uh, these people, therefore, have individual assets and debt to consider before marrying. And uh, divorce remains a common reality. There's a recent wedding boom that's pushed marriage to divorce rate down. 40% of marriages end in divorce nationally. Now, which is really interesting because we used to always say it was 50% of marriages end in divorce. It's more like 40 mm-hmm. now. The divorce rate is trending down um, fairly dramatically from uh, 2010 to 2020 in the chart they show here, and it's marriages and divorces per 1,000 residents annually from 08 to 22. The marriage rate is 17.3 residents per 1,000 uh, currently, it, or 2022. The divorce rate is 6.9 residents per 1,000, or 6.9 people per 1,000. And it's it, the divorce rate's bumped up just a tiny bit since 2020. Two or 2021, it looks like I'm not quite clear on it. I'll be at 21. It was at its lowest. It bumped up a little bit. My guess is pandemic people like slowed their roll and we're not sure what they were going to do and they stayed married. We saw that anecdotally in our firm. We had a pretty substantial um, things quieted down for a while and then they picked up again in our business. Uh, we, we saw it slow down a bit. So then there's some quotes here. Um, there's some quotes here like uh, a person who's a CEO of Future Wallet, so financial advisor, said, women see this as a way to financially protect themselves. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, and then a quote is, I encourage people to start talking about it as early as possible so it doesn't feel like this is icky, taboo, non-romantic thing. Yes, great advice. Right when you're talking about getting engaged, you should be talking about that prenup. Don't do this a few months before the marriage. You've already booked the room, or you've, you've booked the room, you've got the church figured out, you spent a bunch of money, you've, everybody's bought their groomsmen out, rented their groomsmen outfits, the ladies have their dresses. Do not 
talk about a prenup that could possibly cause you guys to get very upset at each other and not go through with the wedding because your only option if you don't sign a prenup is not getting married. Well, it's either getting married without one. There are three options. Get married with one, get married without one, or don't get married. And one of the two people might be insisting on this thing and their only other option is not getting married. So, you know, and here we go. You don't want that extra pressure of all this money going out the door and everybody in the family being mad at you because this issue came up four weeks before the marriage or two months before mm -hmm. the marriage. So word to the wise, people say, when is the right time? As early as possible is the right time. And it makes you have important discussions about your values. So the benefit of the prenup is not just the financial stuff. It's that it makes you talk about kids, family, money, what's important to you. And it causes you to drive those conversations. It then says writing prenups can be a complicated process that costs hundreds to thousands of dollars. Yes, it's not cheap, but if you want it done right, it's worth spending the money. Typical prenups are anywhere from, if you buy the cheapo online thing, you'll spend maybe 500, 600 bucks. If you get one from a law firm like us, you'll spend, depending on the firm and what you're getting or what you're negotiating, 1500 to five to $10,000 and up depending on how complex the situation is. Uh, so this is interesting stat. There's an outfit called Hello Prenup, which kind of bald face ripped off the name from Hello Divorce. Um, side note, the founder of Hello Prenup contacted me to ask me if I was interested in being involved in the business and I turned her down. Maybe I should have agreed, but uh, she's they are projected to do 25 times more prenups in 2023 than they did in 2021, so good on them. And I can tell you the prenup quality, we haven't seen a Hello Prenup document, so I can't speak about them, but uh, we did see one from a major online provider that was not good. And it's not the fault of the online provider. It's all about garbage in, garbage out. And the, the people that are putting, the, the parties getting married, don't know what they can and can't have in the prenup and don't know what they should and shouldn't be asking for. And that's more where the attorney's value comes in. It's much more than the document. It's what should you be asking for? What's reasonable to ask for? What are the alternatives? To, you know, what are the flavors that you can ask for? And there's a, a bunch of varieties. And then the full disclosure of assets and, is, and liabilities is, and income is critical. So exchanging that document, those bits of information. And then doing a prenup closing is important to avoid the appearance of undue duress which is one of the weaknesses in prenups that people attack when they challenge them is lack of disclosure and undue duress. Those are the weak, those are the weak spots in prenups and just printing out a document and signing it may leave you exposed to those weaknesses. So it's much more than just cranking out the document. You can get the document from anybody. And for some people that might be enough for somebody who has a lot of assets and income to protect. It's not enough. Just like anything else, you get what you pay for. So um, you can go buy a toilet and put it in yourself. I've done it myself. Uh, it's the cheapest option. It also took me a bunch of hours and a lot of swearing and stuff, and I had to buy some tools I didn't own before. But <laughs> it's like that, you know, it's DIY is like that. And you're, people are welcome to do it. And for many people, it might be just fine. But for a lot of folks, it makes sense to consult with an attorney, whether it's us or somebody else. So, um, and you want to talk to a lawyer in your state and make sure it's state specific because the divorce laws matter because your prenup is 
hedging against what the divorce laws say in your state, effectively. Also get an estate plan, by the way. Um, okay, so they talk about, um, so the, the, the bottom line is that, you know, prenup was, uh, when we were doing these, when we would tell clients about these, especially people who would contact us and say they were doing their second marriage, we were trying to tell people, look, you have to insist on a prenup. But even people getting married for the first time now, if they're getting married later in life, they might own a condo, they've got a car, they've got some assets. Somebody might have school debt from grad school or dental school that's substantial, and you don't want to get married to that person and have them in, maybe they're still finishing school and they're incurring a bunch of debt for their schooling, which would then be potentially considered marital debt. And now they get divorced after they're done with school and they're trying to ask you to pitch in on their school debt. Well, these are the kinds of things you're dealing with and you're addressing in a prenup. So that's the kind of reason why you want to talk to a lawyer about it. So, um, but interesting article. Um, I can tell you now anecdotally, we have a lot more people calling us for prenups and more people calling us for postnuptial agreements. That is agreements that are sort of similar to prenups, but entered into after marriage. People understand the importance of divorce planning well in advance just because they're being practical. And the good news is it makes you have those hard, hard conversations up front. And in my opinion, it actually decreases the chances you'll get divorced. So, yeah. And do you have any thoughts on that, Rahul? Uh, no, I think that's, uh, it, it's sort of um, a very interesting uh, point because, like we've talked about, our overarching themes in many, many episodes has been prenups work. And so if you do it right, they'll work. If you do it wrong... Good luck. It's only as good as the judge you have, I right. guess. But if you want what these celebrities get, such as ironclad prenups, you better believe they're not cutting corners. Right. So yeah, it, it's interesting. I think that's, it's important. You'd rather pay a few bucks now extra uh, to get it ironclad and get peace of mind than saying, I'll print it off LegalZoom, for, what I, for example, or Hello Prenup. Yeah. And not, not saying any of these are not good by any means, but you, you would rather get something bespoke yeah. if you can. So what's this? Uh, you had something in the show notes about this very public divorce announcement. What's that? Yeah, so it, it, it's funny because I saw it was a uh, Twitter, or formerly or X, I guess, formerly known yeah. as Twitter. A uh, user had posted, and so it was an article on Yahoo about how some people now decorate their front yards. You know, people typically say graduation or uh, happy birthday, right. just married. Now they're now posting signs that says divorced or a jackpot you know i'm uh, i did i do i did oh, i'm done <laughs> uh, so these kinds of i guess decorations or they throw block parties for each other saying finally free you know things like that so are these the, they're, they're those it's, companies that'll come by and put all the signs in your yard with the balloons and all that stuff yeah exactly so it's sort of <laughs> you know it's it's uh, they're calling it a uh a uh, positive display from newly unwed okay. people so, and meant to get attention and let people know. So I guess, you know, what was once perhaps maybe a little taboo of a topic is not so much. I anymore. guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm not surprised. Interesting. Well, mm -hmm. thanks. That was great. That's the pod. Thank you. Everybody yeah. have a good one. Thank you.